0: This is where we remember truth, to make the world a better place, one person at a time. I'm Claire Lottier, Inspirational Speaker, Teacher of the Technology of Transformation, and a Certified Life Mastery Consultant and Spiritual Coach. Welcome to the Grace Space. Today we're going to talk about the Law of Obedience. One of those laws which, at first glance, may trigger a reaction in us. Obedience doesn't sound very modern, does it? It sounds a bit draconian, a bit Old Testament, maybe a bit old-fashioned. The idea of obedience may suggest to some subservience, to some oppressive power, but nothing could be further from the truth. The law of obedience is one that will provide you with a sense of absolute security and trust. When you get into harmony with it. And I'd like to suggest that you think of obedience as being in harmony with if the word is getting in your way. You know, the whole purpose of this series, Walk in Grace, where we're discovering and familiarizing ourselves with the laws of life, indeed, the whole purpose of the grace space is to cultivate obedience to, or if you prefer, harmony with, the laws. This is your space for gaining greater understanding so that you can come into harmony with universal truth, the permanent principles of creation, and thereby come into the experience of your true power in connection with them. These laws are at the origin of all spiritual and religious traditions, and all of the different spiritual traditions throughout the ages have attempted to codify these truths for our better understanding. But the laws themselves transcend all dogma, all belief systems or religions. But given that our level of awareness as a collective was not very high in the preceding 2,500 years, there's been a fair amount of distortion and misunderstanding of the universal laws or just flat-out lack of awareness of the universal laws. And again, these laws are universal. They don't belong to any tradition. And while I may at times quote various scriptures or teachers from the different traditions, all of those teachers were metaphysicians and masters of these laws. And they identified not with a limited personality or particular tradition, but with their infinite nature. And they encouraged us to do the same. Let's listen to some different perspectives on obedience. In the Bible it says, Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. In the Quran, it says, And whoso obeys Allah and his messenger, it is they who will be successful. The Buddha said, Better than worshipping gods is obedience to the laws of righteousness. The laws of the universe are the laws of your own being, your own nature. That's why I say when you fall in love with the law, you fall in love with yourself. And you notice that these laws are associated with prosperity, with success. In scripture, they're always telling us if we follow these laws, if we're obedient to these laws, we will be successful. We will be prosperous. So they're always associated with us bettering ourselves and bettering our lot. Better than worshiping gods, in other words, better than worshiping or deifying some power outside yourself, obey the laws of righteousness. In other words, get into harmony with the laws of your own being. The word righteous means acting in accord with divine law, free from sin. Remember, we talked about that word in a recent episode. Sin merely means missing the mark. So rather than worshiping or deifying or putting your faith in something outside of yourself that you perceive external to you and hoping that everything will turn out all right— Come into harmony with the divine law, the perfect order of the universe, and know that everything is all right. We're being told that everything is all right, that we already have everything we need within us. The law is within you. It is the law of your own nature. It is the orderly and uniform method of the omnipotent one that maintains this creation and of which you are an extension. These are the laws of you. Understanding of and obedience to the laws of creation is what enables us to set ourselves free to be who we truly are. The law of obedience unleashes our true creative power. So obedience is not servitude. But true freedom. Raymond Holywell says To be ushered into turmoil, blindly toil a few years, and then go out into uncertainty is surely not the purpose of man's existence. Life must mean more than this, and it does mean more. Man should be a builder, and to him is given all the materials of which to construct the kind of life he desires to live. She builds in wisdom or in ignorance according to her obedience, according to her understanding of a divine law and the use of it in her daily life. Many people, when they learn that the science of living is governed by exacting laws, immediately assume that to live rightly is to live the hard way. (laughs) This is a false assumption because obedience to the law is the ultimate liberation. It brings success. It brings abundance. It brings true freedom. To live rightly is to enter into the flow of life, allowing the current to carry you rather than trying to swim against it. To live rightly can seem rigorous when we're first learning the laws, but this is because we have a lot of old, unhelpful programming to release, old habits. And it takes some time and some energy to undo those old habits. Old habits, those deep furrows inside the brain that we've been over and over and over again. But it is inevitable that once we become aware of these old habits, in other words, the old paradigm that we've been living from, that its days are numbered. So, what does it mean to live rightly? Well, it has nothing to do with morality. Morality is a particular system of values and principles of conduct, especially one held by a specific person or society or religion. What is moral or immoral? Depends on who you talk to, and what their paradigm is, and what period of history they lived in. More often than not, standards of morality have been about controlling the behavior of other people through guilt and shame. Therefore, morality is of the world. It's part of the ever-changing backdrop of conditions and circumstances. It belongs to the law of man, not the law of God. We can argue that certain things are right and certain things are wrong, which is why we have established laws in society to protect its members from the unevolved elements of humanity. But again, nothing can exist outside the circle of infinite intelligence. Circumstances are always neutral. Always. Things simply are. And they come and they go like clouds in the vastness of an infinite sky that encompasses all things. So the law of obedience is not referring to obedience to any standard of morality established by people. It's obedience to the laws of righteousness the laws of the universe. And you don't have to be aware of those laws to be subject to them. You don't have to agree with them or even believe in them. You're already subject to them. Either you're swimming against the current of those laws, in which case you're struggling in life, or you're swimming with the current, in which case your life is flowing with ease and grace, and you find yourself achieving greater and greater things in life. You're going from strength to strength. You see, the laws of the universe make no allowance for our ignorance. They cannot change themselves. They are permanent and immutable. Just like the law of gravity cannot change its rules when someone walks off a ledge just because they did so in an unconscious state. It can't make that person go up instead of coming down. It doesn't matter if the person was not in possession of their faculties. They must obey the law. And it's the same thing with spiritual law. It makes no allowance for our ignorance. We've got to understand the system the rules, the laws in which we are operating, and understand that these laws are never against us. They are always for us. This infinite universe uses us for its expansion and fullest expression. And the impulse of life within you is what causes you to feel desire. Desire is a basic impulse that comes from the Creator. In fact, the word desire itself has its roots in the Latin de of the Father. The infinite itself puts desire into your heart. And therefore, what you most want in life wants you back. You're supposed to want that. The infinite never puts an idea in your mind or a desire in your heart that it is not capable of fulfilling through you if you will come into alignment with, that is, into obedience of its laws. Remember, you have already everything within you right now to build any life you would love to live. You were born with all of it. All that is required is awareness of and obedience to the law. And that's why you're here right now listening to my voice. That's why you're in the grace space, to learn, to grow your awareness of the law. Obedience can be compelled by force, but we'll never truly obey what we don't respect. I remember a couple of tyrannical teachers from my childhood who conducted themselves like bullies. They compelled our obedience because nobody wanted to be singled out for public shaming or punishment, but our hearts rebelled against them. This was not respect. On the other hand, I've been blessed to have a number of very wise teachers who naturally commanded obedience because... I trusted them completely. I had and have such profound respect for them. And I recognize the truth within them. My spiritual teacher is one of those people who I instantly trusted. And I can honestly say I would put my life in his hands. And I have. When he's told me to do something, I've done it. Not out of blind obedience, but out of deep respect for his level of mastery, and trusting that in following his instruction, I would be led to a deeper understanding of something within myself. I would get closer to the truth of my own being. And this has been the outcome every single time. So we come into harmony with the law of obedience, never out of compulsion, but out of a deep respect and love the laws of life, and a profound trust in the perfect order, harmony, and balance implicit in all of existence. We come into harmony with the law of obedience when we have the wisdom to recognize that chaos or disharmony are merely appearances that indicate that we're somehow not in the flow of the laws of life. Nature never strains. She does everything perfectly and with ease and grace. Everything in nature has a purpose and function and all things in nature are interdependent. Anyone who works with nature knows that there are laws that must be followed if they want to do so successfully. There's a time for planting and a time for harvesting and you would never dream of planting when it's time to harvest or pulling up new shoots because you were impatient for them to reach full growth. You know that if you plant seeds, apple- Seeds, you get apple trees and not squash. When we seek to force nature to obey the laws of man for any aim that is contrary to spiritual truth, such as for power or control over others, there will always be a price to pay. We're witness to those consequences now in ways that are obvious and increasing. The resulting chaos is not chaos at all, rather, it's the effect of a cause in perfect order. "...the mushroom cloud of a nuclear bomb is nothing but the expression of the natural laws of nuclear physics in a chain reaction of A leads to B leads to C." I was fascinated by the recent series on television called Chernobyl, the retelling of the story of the massive explosion and nuclear meltdown in Russia in 1986. The unfolding of the drama was riveting, and the story was so well told, illustrating as it did the confluence of attitudes, agendas, and events that resulted inevitably in a disaster on such a scale that had it not been for the ingenuity and honesty of a very few brave and courageous men and women could have been far worse for humanity than it already was what i found most eerie and astonishing was that the explosion occurred at exactly 12345 in the morning 012345 As if a giant finger were pointing to the orderly and perfect sequence of events that could only have issued from an incalculable number of necessary preconditions, the absence of any one of which would have yielded a different result. The central message that emerged from the disaster, which in retrospect was considered to have been a main contributor to the collapse of the Soviet Union, was that such an event could only have occurred in an atmosphere of lies, where the level of consciousness was below the line of basic integrity. In other words, in violation of the laws of life. The conditions that were hospitable to such a conflagration were created by states of consciousness such as fear, arrogance, jealousy, envy, resentment, shame, deceitfulness, and other condition-driven emotions of a lower nature. The presence of these emotions within us always indicates absence of understanding, absence of awareness. Conversely, true understanding and awareness dissolves these emotions. Thus, a disaster on the scale of Chernobyl could only occur through lack of understanding of the laws, both the natural laws of nuclear physics and the spiritual laws of all creation. But that does not mean it was out of order. It was in perfect order. Because the perfection of the universe includes our free will and our ability to choose the realities that we experience, even in violation of the law. And all causes have their effects in chain reactions that go out into infinity in all directions. Thus, even in violation of the law, we are within the law and still must be obedient to it. The gift of free will does not absolve us of the consequences of our actions, which will always, in time, manifest in perfect order. Nothing can have its existence outside the circle of the infinite and unconditional love of the Creator, not even the explosion at Chernobyl. The laws of life, like the laws of nature, are impersonal. They make no allowance for our ignorance. They support the basic principles of creation, which are expansion, fuller expression, and increasing life for all. Therefore, they always support us in our expansion, the fullest expression of our potential, and increasing aliveness. They serve our highest interest. So it's always in our best and highest interest to study these laws, gain a deeper understanding of them, and learn how to align with them for a life of greater ease. The challenge lies in becoming aware of and overcoming the limiting paradigms that are pulling the strings from deep within our psyche. This is when we notice a conflict between what we consciously say we want and what we actually do. There's a term called praxis, a beautiful word that describes the integration of belief with behavior. For example, you may know and be aware that, let's say, smoking is unhealthy for you, and you may believe that you want to stop smoking and even say you're going to. That's the belief. It's in the conscious mind. Then there's something else going on at the subconscious level that's producing your behavior, and that's going out for a smoke first thing in the morning and on the breaks that you have throughout the day, right? It's a habit. And it's in conflict with your belief that you should stop smoking and you want to stop smoking. So you say to yourself, I know I should stop. I want to stop, but my behavior says otherwise. The habit is in control. The habit is stronger than the want in the conscious mind. You might say, well, but nicotine is extremely addictive. That's why I can't stop. And we're not denying that that's at play. But nothing is stronger than the power within you. The truth is that you haven't made a real decision to stop smoking. And a real decision comes from the higher self. That's what gives us the energy we need to overcome any addiction, whether it's to cigarettes or alcohol, the screen or relationship drama. The addiction is part of the paradigm, which is a collection of habits that have almost exclusive control over our behavior. And the thing is, almost all of our behavior is habitual. A strong element of our personal and group paradigms is a basic agreement about what we consider to be normal, normal life. See, the paradigm is part genetic inheritance and part environmental conditioning and operates on the individual level as well as the group consciousness level. So this is where our cultural norms come from. In North America, For example, it's perfectly normal nowadays to go order a giant cup of coffee with all kinds of flavoring and whipped cream and (laughs) walk down the street sipping it. This is considered perfectly normal behavior. On the other hand, in France, a coffee is something that you have in a tiny little cup after a meal, and it comes with a tiny cube of sugar and a biscuit. It's associated with digestion. One time I sat down at a cafe in France and ordered a coffee, then proceeded to order a meal, and the waiter looked at me like I had three heads. (laughs) You want a coffee now? He asked. Immediately I realized I was in a faux pas, but I was feeling cheeky, so I said, yes, please, like it was the most normal thing in the world. He looked kind of pained as he walked away, like he was a little worried about the order of things in the world, because that went against what was normal for him. So within paradigms at the level of group consciousness, there are agreements about what constitutes a normal, happy, or successful life. There's a big difference, though, between what is normal and what is natural. Tom Wilhite said, "'What is normal is the tendency we all have to live a certain way with a certain paradigm and a certain way of experiencing life.'" But even though it's normal because we repeat it, it doesn't make it natural. What is really natural for humans is what is in harmony with our own nature. And our nature is unlimited abundance and goodness. So while our way of living may be considered normal by the standards of our upbringing or culture, unless it's in harmony with our true nature, it's not natural. The Law of Obedience calls us to recognize and act in accordance with what is natural, what is in harmony with our true nature, and very often this is not what we might consider normal. Awareness is what draws us up through the spiral of our own becoming, and the process of gaining awareness requires that we examine what we might consider to be normal and compare it to what is natural. What is normal is what's part of our paradigm up until now, and often that normal has caused us a lot of frustration or suffering in life. In order to grow, we must cut our allegiance to what is normal and reassign it to what is natural. This is part of building a new paradigm that's in alignment with truth and therefore supports our expansion and the fulfillment of our highest potential. But this can create inner conflict. Very often, cutting from what is normal separates us in some way from our family culture, our roots, our origins. And that can elicit a range of reactions from our family of origin. They might react with anger, confusion, mockery, say they're worried about us or feel threatened or bewildered by our choices when we start to align our choices with what is natural rather than what is normal according to the family culture. In order to obey the laws of our own nature, we often have to disobey the implicit rules of our family culture. For example, let's say that there's an unwritten rule in your family that we don't talk about certain things. This produces a culture of shame, secrecy, and taboo. Going back in your family history, you'll find concealment. So-and-so had an affair. So-and-so had an abortion or a child out of wedlock. So-and-so was homosexual and so on and so forth. Maybe everyone knew, but no one talked about it. Maybe talking about your feelings was not an acceptable form of expression. And you know what? That's just the way things were at that time. We're not judging it. We're just saying that's how it was. These family norms, in other words, paradigms, get passed down from generation to generation until certain members of the family break them. It's said that the sins of the fathers are visited upon the sons. Well, that simply means that whatever your ancestors didn't face process, and exposed to the light of awareness gets passed down to you. But this is a blessing. It's an amazing opportunity to heal your lineage when you decide to be the one who steps into greatness, the greatness of saying yes to your divine nature, your inherent perfection, and of taking responsibility for the power you have to create any life you want for yourself. You break from generations of disempowered thinking. By no means does this signify disrespect to your ancestors and what they gave you. They gave you your body. This vehicle that you live in was built by them. And everything our ancestors created and overcame in toil and travail has enabled us to have everything we have today. They deserve to be honored and respected for their sacrifices and their dreams of a better life. Thus, everything that they did for us was not to enslave us to a life of limitation, but to enable us to stand on their shoulders and see a bigger horizon, to fulfill the divine promise of true freedom that all of them longed for in their heart of hearts with the level of awareness they had at the time and projected forward down the line to us for fulfillment. By the law of obedience— We become the flowering fruit on our family tree, freeing ourselves, our lineage, and our descendants from the bondage of limitation. This is a beautiful divine paradox. True obedience to the laws of life, the laws of success, the laws of your very nature means freedom and liberation. Here's a process to help you apply the Law of Obedience. Make sure to print out the PDF worksheet that goes with this episode, which you'll find in the show notes. Consider a current problem or challenge you're experiencing. Summarize it in writing. Then ask yourself, how can I use this situation as an opportunity to raise my consciousness and come into alignment with the Law of Obedience? Understand that there are no problems that cannot be overcome. All things in this universe are governed by natural laws of harmony and order, which can remove discord, heal all disease, right every wrong, and supply every need. With that in mind, and with regard to the situation or circumstance you have described, list one thing you can start doing and one thing you can stop doing that will put you in greater harmony with the laws of life. For example, let's say you're unhappy with your body image right now. You find yourself criticizing yourself with regard to your physical appearance. What's the opportunity in that situation to grow in awareness, to come into alignment with the law of obedience? It could be a chance for you to more fully embrace yourself and your body with unconditional love, just as it is right now. Then, Knowing that obedience to the law removes all discord and heals all disease, knowing that whatever you dwell on in your imagination with feeling must come to pass, you can choose one thing to start doing and one thing to stop doing, which will put you in greater harmony or obedience to the laws of your own nature. For example, you might decide to stop criticizing your appearance whenever you look in the mirror, because this goes against the law. You're a perfect spiritual being, and your body is a miracle, performing millions of functions to keep you healthy that you know nothing of. Anytime you doubt your own divinity, you're out of harmony with the law. So you might decide that each time you become aware that you're thinking self-critical or or hateful thoughts about your current body appearance— You will consciously arrest those thoughts. In other words, stop doing that, right? Then you could start to instead fill your mind and body with positive thoughts that are in alignment with truth, even if you don't believe it at first. You could wrap your arms around yourself and say, I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. You are beautiful. Thank you for everything you do for me. If you can spend even a few moments sincerely praising yourself and your body as the divine temple housing your spirit, you will feel a shift in your body cells. Because remember, your subconscious mind is in every cell, and it hears and responds to everything you say. I hope you find this example helpful. Let me know how you go, and I'll see you next time. Thank you for joining me in the Grace Space, where you're always in the right place. If you love this podcast, I invite you to subscribe to it and submit a review if you feel called to do so. Also, be sure to sign up for my newsletter right here. I look forward to spending this time with you again next week. Meanwhile, I send you love and blessings. Bye for now.